You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Anissa Foles. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Fergie Philippe. Hi, I'm Eliza Oman. Hola, soy Florencia Cuenca. Y yo soy Jaime Lozano. Hi, this is El Morgan Lee. It's Alex Brightman from Broadway and beyond. Hi, this is Joe Iconis. And this is Lauren Marcus. Y estás escuchando. escuchando. And you're listening to B-Way Show. B-Way Show. B-Way Show. The podcast. Hey, friends. Welcome to B-Way Show, the podcast. Your home for theater conversations from a passionate Broadway fan and reporter. I'm your host, Shoshana, and I want to start off by emphasizing Black Lives Matter, period. The show must go on. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Abe Goldfarb from The Show Must Go On Line. Quick notes before we jump in the line. I can happily share that I finally watched Beetlejuice, and y'all, it's really good. Why didn't anyone tell me? For real though, I'm actually happy I saw Beetlejuice the musical, the musical, the musical before the movie. It's quite entertaining to get the references in reverse. Plus, Beetlejuice the Demos, the Demos, the Demos has been released, and I love that beautiful sound. Give them a listen. Ready, set, let's send it back over to Abe Juice. Abe Goldfarb, everyone. I have a few more questions, and I want to be conscious of your time, so I'm just going to like, poo, poo, poo. And Here's then- a pandemic. I have nothing but time. This, it's not it's not an insult when i say i have nothing better to do it's just it's just fast <laughs> excellent yeah. I, i'm happy to hear that okay good so did you have or do you have a favorite moment in the show whether you're in it whether you understudy that part whether you're watching it from the side any and all of those mm. the selfish favorite moment was when i got to go on pro though um, because there was, there was one line reading that was the absolute most ridiculous. Why did they let me do it after seeing it in rehearsal? <laughs> and, um, and it was when I got to say, and th- here's the thing, being on a Broadway stage is already amazing. Being on a Broadway stage and getting to go on for like though, which is a joy and actually get laughs is like, give me a break. But I, I got <laughs> to say the line. Just outside the walls of this house, nestled in the hatchback of my Toyota Prius. I said it like it was basically an Italian, like artisanal car. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a a ridiculous read. And when I got the laugh for that, I was like, yes. Uh, So there was that. Um, I love that option. Yeah, yeah. But then there's just like, honestly, every night right before going out into the into the funeral uh, right at the beginning. Yeah. Being there and and, hear, and like feeling uh, the overture just like rumble up through your guts and seeing like, you know, the uh, the dry ice coming out and the moon rising and, and, and all that blue light and knowing that there were like over a thousand people out there who were just ready yeah. to experience this. It never, you never get jaded. Mm. It just, I mean, if you do get jaded, you should quit. You shouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't be excited about that, give me a break. It is a privilege. And it's one that I never took for granted. So every night before, right before going out, because at the beginning of the show, my entrance provides, my entrance is part of a really complex staging bit. 
that seems very simple, but is not. Mm. And getting to go on and, 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 and having that little nervous tingle right before every night, it, that, that was really special. Oh, and also just like getting to share little moments with uh, Alex Brightman and Gil Bailey off on stage right right before the show you know because Gil and Alex are they're dear friends and very funny and we just kind of live to crack each other up are there any particular moments that that you feel comfortable sharing that like spring to mind as like fun backstage or anything that you would do every every night as like a tradition tradition I mean, for me, I was I, I was just very, very uh, conscientious. You know, I although, you know, uh, Presley, when she was before she was sort of on as, you know, for a longer term as Lydia, Presley and I at the end of. Um, God, what's oh, yeah, it was at the end of Dead Mom. Presley and I would basically offstage right, just do a little choreographed dance uh, at, at the end of Dead Mom. <laughs> it was just like every night the same thing. You know, it was just it was really really silly. But uh, but yeah, that was that was every night. I think I missed that only either A when I was uh like injured or B when, you know, I was injured. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason to miss that. Yeah, honestly. Wow. Joy. Yeah. yeah. There are so many moments that just seem like so much fun from all the social media posts. And it is so special to be able to see this connection between the audience and the cast. And then within all of the cast that you don't always get to see, right? Sometimes it's like, those are the leads and those are the ensemble members and this, and and that does not feel like Beetlejuice. We were all pretty tight knit. Yeah. Like Brightman would come up and visit the ensemble dressing room and like, you know, other people would drop in. Rob McClure would come in with like some gospel that he really liked sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just everybody, everybody really liked each other. And I think that's part of that comes across on stage. Yeah. Uh, that affection that everybody felt. And I mean, I am so lucky that my first Broadway show was this. Because yeah. first of all, it's a billion to one shot. You're going to be on Broadway anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then there's the fact that like, it was a show that I loved with material I thought was brilliant and with people who were kind. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I, I mean, I was so self-conscious at first because I, I felt like the odd man out. Mm. But everyone just came, everyone just comes up to you on day one and it's like, hi, I'm Tony nominee such and such, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, right, you're at the pinnacle of your field. Uh, I just got done with a titty show down in the East Village. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that how all broadway goes i have to assume <laughs> uh, i have to assume that's how all broadway goes yeah yeah amazing also this is so funny i'm just seeing people in the comments like asking each other questions like how many times have you seen it 15 times wow. because it's because it's a community we're so lucky how did this happen how did people find it how like how did they find it the way they did my God. I mean, what luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all, I mean, honestly, I, when the reviews came out in New York, I was like, okay, we've probably got a couple of months and then we're packing up shop if that, yeah. but it, it stayed the course and it's because people found something in it. 
I feel a lot like, and I never unfortunately got to see SpongeBob in person, but so grateful that they filmed it because I got to see it. But I have kind of similar thoughts on that. It didn't need to be that good. You already had the audience that love SpongeBob, that love Beetlejuice. And put in the extra effort in both of these shows that got the staying power and the people who were so passionate that then they told their friends and they posted about it. And then it just kind of grew and kind of took on a life of its own after the original life of it. And I see those kind of both happening like right now. It's the stuff that happens after the advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but that that's exactly it. I always appreciate when art, uh, commercial art, popular art has the extra the extra effort in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's not just like you fucking idiots are going to love this. It's that thing you like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Which exactly. and there is and there can be a contempt, I think, in like a reboot or, a you know, or an adaptation where it's just like this is the intellectual property. You like it. Just shut the fuck up and come see it. Give us your money. Exactly. Literally, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's. Don't get me wrong. We were very grateful for the money. Uh, but... <laughs> <Take> the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. It. There are kind of those two different versions of new art and revivals on Broadway that either you love it or you don't, and they're for two different audiences. And there's n- maybe not one is right or wrong, but like. Kiss Me Kate, when it came back, was very, like, traditional Kiss Me Kate. And then Oklahoma was like, whoa, Oklahoma. Yeah. I think I, a lot of my friends refer to it as the Oklahoma that fucks. <laughs> like, accurate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And with chili and cornbread. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, if you're going to revive something, I, I actually think, especially if it's an established work of art, it's really valuable to just, like, do something outrageously, you know, different with it. Yeah. I mean, some people really do want the thing that they like delivered how they how they like it. Right. And, and I actually think there's a lot of value in that. Like I saw Kevin Klein in Present Laughter and it was one of the greatest uh, performances I've ever seen. The show was pristine. It was not revisionist. It was a perfectly turned production. And there's real value in that because, you know, sometimes you don't even get that. Mm-hmm. So to see a bunch of like awesome professionals just put on a pristine version of a classic is very valuable. But then I do think that there are things I know a lot of people, I didn't see West side story. Me neither. But I, one thing I appreciated was, yeah, they're going to do something really different with it. Right. Like I, I, I don't know anything about it, about what they did. I just know that like, apparently Eva Van Hove was really trying something different. And I just thought, yeah, fuck it. If you, if you, if, if you're a theater artist and someone's willing to throw a few million bucks at your completely revisionist take on a totally established text, yeah, do it. Mm-hmm. Like, show me something new about the piece. You know, Very let true. me fall. In, let me fall in love with it. Love with it from another entry point. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Or like John Doyle's uh, revivals of like Sondheim stuff that really cracks it open. Mm-hmm. I was very sad I didn't get to see Company yet and I'm mm. just like knocking on wood that I'll get to hey man we're all we've all got our fingers crossed it's very true and I feel like I I, I feel like I wouldn't be um honoring a feeling from when it was happening with the West Side Story 
all the controversy that oh, sure. surrounding that. And so that's all very valid. Um, oh, totally. So, so if anyone's watching and they're like, why didn't show bring that up? I'm bringing it up. Oh, no. I, I mean, I think there's absolutely no excuse for not for non-consensually sharing a performer's nudes. Yes. Uh, any, anyone's. Uh, I think, no, that was disconnected entirely from the directorial vision of the show. Uh, there is there is absolutely there is absolutely no excuse for that. It's disgusting behavior. It's it's violating and it's immoral and it's the kind of thing that has to stop. Like to be clear. Yes. Thank you for saying that. And it's um it is such a shame because I feel like all of these actors getting their Broadway debuts and these moments to shine were overshadowed by this thing and it just I wish that that just never but like that, gets, that, that they didn't, uh, that they respected one another. That and, gets at the heart of something I think very, very interesting. And I don't, I mean, I might talk myself into a grave with this one, but like, there are artists uh, who have done terrible things and have been correctly canceled, mm-hmm. you know, or actually most of them haven't because, you know, Louis C.K. is out there doing a, you know, a stand up tour. Woody Allen still got funding for his movies, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I, I can't really watch their stuff anymore. No. But what people forget is that there are so many artists. You know, Kevin Spacey makes movies hard to watch now, but in the making of a film, you've got all these other actors, you've got all these other craftspeople. Right. And the person who committed that violating act has really taken a, a giant shit all over the art and life of their collaborators. Mm-hmm. Like that's the secondary concern. The primary concern is that this person did something unforgivable and dreadful. Yeah. And then you've got the fact that their terrible acts are now tainting the efforts and experience of a bunch of like conscientious, good, hardworking artists. And I think, it, I think that is on a secondary level, an enormous shame. Very well said. And I think that's so true. It's like you can hold those two things as that was awful. And I don't want to ever see anything with you or directed by you again. But also this person was brilliant and they deserve to be celebrated and they did nothing wrong. Well, exactly. I mean, I'm not a person who thinks you can fully separate the artist from the art. Right. Uh, You know, because art art comes from artists. You know, I mean, I loved watching Louis C.K., but then when you find out about what he did, you look back at the art and you're like, man, you were just confessing in plain sight. And now all this stuff that was so funny and trenchant is ruined mm-hmm. because now I know that you were like violating trust and boundaries. And so I, I don't I don't actually believe or, you know, Roman Polanski, you know, yeah. uh I don't believe you can fully separate the art from the artist. And I think anyone who says that you can is kind of selling you something, mm. you know, or telling you to not be such a fucking snowflake or whatever. And it's like, man, I'm sorry that it's such a goddamn crime to have feelings now. Mm, you've just encapsulated so many of my feelings, which is like, oh, yeah, like, I would like to see that. But I heard it stars blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah did this. And so I don't want to see it. And then when people say to me like, oh, but, you know, it's such a great performance. And I'm like, I can't separate that. But that that person did it. (laughs) 
No, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. That's yeah. just like, that's who I am. And there are 50 million other things I could be watching, listening to, reading, seeing live. Yeah. I'm going to actively choose to spend my time and money on good people. There's so much content. You know, it's not like you're, it's not like if you don't see that thing, you're at a loss. But no, I, this, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I genuinely think a broader industry reckoning for bad behavior is very important. Yes. Yes. And I feel like since we're already on this ball movement, I always like to just say flat out black lives matter. Black lives matter. Not and, black, and black and black trans lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Yeah. It shouldn't be a controversial statement and it's silly that it is. Thank you. Yes, it is. Um, whenever I have to click on, um, a, a YouTube forum or something like, do you have any controversial content? And I'll be like, okay, like cursing here. And then I'll be like sure. political things, whatever. But I, I always want to put in like a side note, like having black lives matter conversations should not be political or controversial because they are statements of fact. Well, this is, this is the best explanation I heard of it uh, was that when people are saying black lives matter, they're not saying other lives don't. They're saying, just to remind you, Black Lives Matter as well. And we are, and currently, socially, we don't act as though they do. Yes. And I, I think that, that was the clearest explanation of it that I heard. Mm -hmm. So when someone says all lives matter, it's like, yes, but if you thought all lives mattered, you wouldn't have a problem saying Black Lives Matter. Preach. Like, anyway, I'm a lily white, you know, Brooklyn Jew here, so. <laughs> I'm a New York Jew as well. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah. like my bagels and schmear. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> um, but this is, um, yeah, I, I just really hope that when Broadway does come back, because it's coming back and I just need to like say that theater's coming back. It's going to come back. You, there's no future without theater. 100%. It needs to change. We need to have more black and diverse people in all senses of the word diverse. Indig indigenous people and people of, of every color and yeah. And, and also and people of every gender. Yes. You know, and, yes. and every sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And I come from a position of, 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 of relative privilege here because I'm, you know, I'm white and I can pass for straight, even though I'm not. You know, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I, I, I don't take the brunt, you know, I get some anti-Semitic, uh, hatred on Twitter, mm. uh, now and again, you know, uh, which is fun, but <laughs> don't we all, yeah, it's great. I love it. But, but, you know, I'm not, we're not taking the brunt of, of, of the hurt. Mm hmm. I've been um, yeah. I've been saying a lot recently that if you're Jewish and you're not speaking up, oh. then you missed you missed the the point. You missed your growing up. You missed your heritage because if we are being taught all, our whole lives about the Holocaust and that people didn't step up or that some people did and that's why those survived, that's why you need to speak up because you we, can't be a collaborator. You cannot. No. If you're a Jew and a collaborator, you've learned nothing. Mm-hmm. Any old who? Any old who. Glad yeah. we could steer this into some really like mega fun territory. I'm sure that the comment section is popping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, people people appreciate it. I think it's it's nice to have these conversations that start 
very fun and, and have it. And, and we'll, you know, we'll circle back to end it on, on a nice positive, but it's also like, if we have a platform and we don't use it, then what's the point of having a platform? I agree. Absolutely. And speaking of platforms, um, one of your characters, if I'm correct, is the census taker. Is that right? It is correct. I was, and I, I, that was a, that was a joy. He was added, I think, three days before we started doing shows. <laughs> That's amazing. In New York. He wasn't in D.C. Uh, he was oh. he was a really late addition for New York. Well, and so timely right now. Yes, absolutely. How could we have known? <laughs> Who could have guessed it? But yeah. yes, please fill out the census and vote and wear a mask. Please, please wear a mask. Please socially distance. Please it would be great uh, if you could act uh, in a way that conveys respect and care for your fellow person. Mm. Yes. Because the more people, uh, the more people act selfish and self-absorbed and say, fuck a mask or fuck distancing, the longer it's going to take yeah. for, for, for art to come back in a, in a, in a, in a more popular sense. Right. That's exactly true. If we, hunker down and and do what we need to do and be respectful, then we'll actually be able to see live theater again. I would love it. I would love to have a job again. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. So are there any nonprofits or charities that you'd specifically like to give a shout out to today? Well, let's see. I've been doing a, sorry, I have to pull up the, this little list. Uh, forgive me for taking a moment. I've done a lot of giving to sort of mutual aid and to bail funds. I always recommend like donate to bail funds. Mm -hmm. uh, go to, uh, there's a great list of black owned businesses, black owned Brooklyn.com, yes. which is a great place to put your money. Forgive me. I, I have it all on my phone. I feel terrible. This is or, perfect. I love a good list, but yes, there's also, uh, this, this was important. This was one that mattered to me. Um, for the Gwarls. Mm -hmm. uh, it assists with rent and surgical costs for black trans people. And let me see. Let me pull up the website here. But it's for the Gwarls. G-W-O-R-L-S. Uh, yeah. Look that up. For the Gwarls Party on Twitter, I believe. That's that's the, the nonprofit that I wanted to, to really boost. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to add to that because it makes me think of Sis. Uh, Sis is doing the TNG project, the Next Generation project, also mm -hmm. helping trans, non-binary, black and brown folk. So oh, here's, uh, the, here, here's the actual, the actual Twitter is uh, at four, the number four, the Gwarls, T-H-E-G-W-O-R-L-S. There it is. Thank you. Yes, that is that is important. And I will go check them out. I've I've heard of that group. And now I'm like, oh, I want to like dive deeper and actually Please. take a look. So thank you. And I hope this wasn't too distracting, but I wanted to show my Beetlejuice necklace. Here. <laughs> that, I love it. Yeah, it's from Scenery, who take amazing. This is from the Beetlejuice uh, DC run, like from oh the Oh, my floor. God. Oh, it's wow. Yeah, it's so cool. And I have a Beetlejuice ring that is unfortunately at home in New York and not here in Washington State, where oh, I am currently at. Oh, my but God. I, I hope you're I mean, uh, I know that everything out there in the Pacific Northwest is currently on fire. I hope you're doing all right. 
Yeah, yesterday the it was like legitimately hard to breathe. Like the wildfires, the smoke was like everywhere. Luckily yeah. today is a lot better, which is why I'm able to like keep the door to the netherworld open over here. Uh, yes, the portal. <laughs> yes, you're you're, you. uh, you're right. <laughs> um, that's for Slim. It's funny because he it's really hot out today. But my adorable dog, Slim, usually comes in and out and sits on the couch. And um, I'm, I'm sorry that y'all didn't get to see him today. I love him so much. He's so Yeah, cool. my, my little buddy PJ is currently asleep under the uh, the coffee table. Oh, that's so cute. I also wanted to show this fun little ditty here. Oh, oh that's awesome. Yes. That's extremely awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Custom Broadway, which also there's Custom Broadway and there's Broadway Custom and both of them are fabulous. Do these amazing um, We're Actually, this ring is also from them, which is funny. I, I love to just like promote my friends. You know, it's like, why not? And they absolutely do some, they do some really great work. And it's always really fun to to have these like little pieces of Broadway with you. And especially right now, having like the necklace and the Beetlejuice coffin. And they're just like little pieces of joy. Oh, wait, let me let me show you something. I'm going to I'm going to take literally 10 seconds off camera. <laughs> yes. One second. Uh, say, say something awesome. One second. La la la. Abe is wonderful and famous. That's what I've got to say today. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Okay. So opening night of Beetlejuice, uh, we got, you know, gifts. And, uh, you know, of course, the show was produced by Warner Brothers. This was something, an illustration that we got. Wow! Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes, Beetlejuice representation. Uh, The Maitlands, of course, being Bugs and and, uh, maybe that's Lola Bunny. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, Charles Dietz, Foghorn Leghorn. I mean, it's just really, it's so goddamn cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yay! Actually, that that makes me think of today is like Beetlejuice Day when the uh, TV series started. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I know. Yes, what just, a coincidence. You know, and there are people who know the cartoon, but don't know the film, which is another sort of interesting fandom sector. Right. <laughs> Beetlejuice really just has all of those, like, their hand in the, the oh, little yeah. different pots. It's amazing. Inc- inc- it's it's remarkable. We do have a question. I want to make sure to get to it. I think we, have a, I think we might have a couple in there, but go so, on. Yes, I will. You know what? I will we'll wear my glasses. Up. Leah asks question for Abe is all the backing vocals like in Dead Mom and Home all live or are they pre-recorded? Both. Uh, we had we had uh, pre-recorded tracks that we recorded and then we augmented them with live singing. There was uh, obviously there's sometimes chorus on stage. There's also a little vocal booth uh, on stage right at the Winter Garden where we would pile in and it was filthy and awful. But I it was it was I mean, there were there were bugs. It was. Were it there was, there were no beetles, but there were roaches. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> big ones. There was the occasional big-ass roach. <laughs> roach juice just doesn't have the same ring to roach it. Roach juice is vile. <laughs> but, but anyway, okay, so yes, it's, it's, it's a mixture of live, of live pre-recorded and roach juice. <laughs> Excellent. If there were a title of F, I feel like that would be it. <laughs> Amanda asks, hey, but what's one thing you wish you could have taken home from the Beetlejuice set? God. I mean, from the set, 
nothing because the set is, uh, oh, actually, you know what? I might have taken some of the tchotchkes from the back wall of the Maitland's attic because that was so detailed or possibly there was a can of wax in the insulation of the house uh, because on the sides of the stage, you could see a sort of cross section of the, uh, the insulation and the, uh, you know, the internal sort of structure of the house. And there was like a can of wax in there and there was a message in a bottle. I might've wanted the message in a bottle with a can of wax. Yes. That is a fun one. Yeah. Eleanor asks, I love that everyone starts it. Hey, Abe. Hi, Abe. So personal. I That's love it. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> you figured it out. Yeah. Have you had any mishaps on stage? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Fucking catastrophe. Walking disaster. <laughs> uh, the, the biggest, the biggest was... Okay, so Sean Montgomery frequently went on for, for Adam Maitland. And when he went on, I had to go on as the ghost double because there is a scene where you've got like the Maitland's exit, people in sheets cross the bottom of the stage and then they enter upstage. And so you had to cover the transition, you had ghost doubles who played the Maitland's under sheets. And to do that, you have to take off your wig. And so I took off my wig and I went across the stage. It was the first time and then got fully dressed up for my entrance as the lawyer in Deo. And it turns out, did not remember to put my wig back on. So there was, (laughs) yeah, there was a lawyer in a fucking wig cap with a microphone wire. And it took me weeks to be okay with that. I, I felt so dreadful. Oh, I felt so absolutely dreadful. That, I've learned that those are some of my favorite stories because yeah. Alex, Alex told this story when he was in Wicked and it's way better coming from him. So like, I highly recommend hearing his. Oh, his I know this one. Oh my God. I know this one. <laughs> oh. It is so funny to hear when, when something goes wrong or you forget that you're supposed to like close out an act and you know you run out in <laughs> your little mock yarmulke <laughs> and and half of a costume <laughs> yeah woof <laughs> woof <indeed>. woof <laughs> uh, um more more questions here what else we got from the from the peanut gallery what do we got? Haley St. James, who we've heard from so much, and I appreciate it. Keep it coming. I'm a straight up, I'm a straight up fan of Haley St. James. I want to be clear about that, but go on. There's a good chance we will see Haley on the series. <gasps> Just you wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you give us an impromptu taste of your Beetlejuice? I'm so sad you never got to go on in the role and that standby rehearsal footage isn't nearly enough. <laughs> I I might respectfully demur. I, I it's just it's been like six months, and uh, I, I I don't I don't know if I would if I would feel um I can you know what I can say I can say that right at the beginning, my entire thing was that I'm just really enthusiastic that he's actually just he's thrilled to be there with an audience, and you know uh, Alex's trick is making it very endearing that he's unseemly and filthy. And so at the beginning behind the newspaper, I was like, holy crap, a ballot already? <laughs> you know, and such a bold departure from the original source material. Like he was just really, really cartoonishly thrilled about disrupting this funeral. <laughs> yes. 
I and love say, that. I got to throw in like weird little impersonations here and there. Like um, I threw in a Johnny Carson at one point. It's an old uh, Scandinavian folk song, you know, uh, but it, it, it's not a fully developed thing at all. Uh, I mean, like I, I, I had what I had and it could have gone on and it's been six months. <laughs> so that's, that's what I got. That was very generous of you to give us what you gave. And so thank you for that. We've got a lot of astigmatism team members here. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm screaming in a Trader Joe's, which also feels like a saying that I would give. I love Trader Joe's. Screaming like- in a Trader Joe's is like the hashtag mood of the year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Anna asks, what's a lead role you'd kill to play? Gender doesn't matter. It's 2020. Well, I'm probably not going to try and take a role from a woman. Uh, let's be honest. Fair play. No, I mean the, the I mean the part I've always wanted to play is Oscar Wilde, and there's so many wonderful plays about Oscar Wilde, so I couldn't begin to say which one. Though um, Gross Indecency is a very very good piece of work, and uh, so is Judas Kiss. But you know, Oscar Wilde in a play that either exists or does not yet exist. Oh. He was always he was always a really big inspiration to me, Oscar Wilde. Yes, 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 yes. Excellent, excellent. Andy's just saying some of the best performances I've seen in shows are from the understudies and swings. They blow me away all the time. And Anna says, hard, same. <laughs> hard, same, same. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I was, as I say, in awe of the people I was working with. Yes, yes, yes. People. Abe Juice. I like that name. Abe Juice. I've had a number of names uh, given to me online uh about my beetle juice there was abe juice there was beetle farb there was farb juice and then there was twink juice uh because i (laughs) i think i looked very very lean in my in my in the video that was put up and i just remember my immediate reaction was like i'm a very large man i i am no twink (laughs) i'm I'm a man of, of of considerable dimensions yes that's amazing all right i think I feel like this might be all them. I'm just looking. Okay. Beetlejuice and SpongeBob are both absolutely joy bombs. Yes, agree. Uh, 100%. I wish I could have seen it. I'm from the UK though. Yes, Leah. That is like the tough part about theater. And I know like a million people always ask like, oh, when can we see Beetlejuice filmed professionally like Hamilton and Newsies? Here's the thing. First of all, Beetlejuice is going to go to London. Uh, when when live performances start back up, that is one of the big plans. I know that they want to do a London production. Excellent. Second of all, there was, I don't know if Alex talked about the pro shot. That doesn't exist. There <laughs> is. Like, where are you going with this? Well, I remember, did, did he talk to you about it? No. Okay, well, there was a plan. There was a plan. There is no existing pro shot. Doesn't exist. But there was a plan. And my hope is, especially now that Diana is doing their pro shot, I would be really, really psyched if Beetlejuice found a way. Ooh. But the plan that they had was very cool. And it was uh, very distinctive and very Beetlejuice. I can give away no more, but I, I will merely say that if it happens, it's going to be a very, very special thing but we're probably months away from even talking about it. That just sparked this joy of even just the idea that it could happen. 
I think is something right now. I don't need a certainty. I just need hope that that there are things that are maybe in the works and that yeah. there are that just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it can't happen and doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Listen, this, that's the story. That's honestly the story of my experience with Beetlejuice is like none of this should have happened. We shouldn't have gotten as far as we did. We got, <laughs> we got murdered in D.C. The show got really heavily overhauled for New York. There was bad press from the start. Like mm. there were there were gossip columns that were talking shit about the show. Then we started off with not so great reviews and grosses that maybe weren't where they should have been. And we shouldn't have lasted that long. But then the Tonys happened and then the album dropped and then TikTok happened. And it was just a succession of remarkable coincidences. And all of it was driven by the loving creation of the show and the fact that there were people who found a home at it and who fell as much in love with the material as we did. I'm, I'm, I want to be so clear. I would have been the luckiest person alive if my Beetlejuice experience had ended in DC, if I hadn't gotten the Broadway contract. I'd still be the luckiest guy I know. The fact that I got to do all this, even though we shut down, even though like, who knows when live theater is coming back. I am so, so lucky. You know, I'm lucky to have all of these experiences. I'm lucky to be here talking about it. I'm lucky that people give a shit. Yeah. And I, it's, it's been unforgettable. That's so lovely to hear. And it I feel like I'm getting very like sentimental right now because it's all we can do is try our best and try to make people happy and bring joy to the world. And um, I just like one of a, an unexpected joy of what I do is seeing all the comments on the YouTube pages and the first video of mine that like ever exploded in really any like major sense was the Beetlejuice performance at Broadway and Bryan Park, <laughs> which is so amazing because I grew up on Broadway and Bryan Park. Like that was oh, my- that's awesome. That's so that cool. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's so full circle that that would be the thing that people would see. And, you know, I, I went there with my professional gear and I was like, Hey, I'm press. I didn't have a contact to email ahead of time. Someone else vouched for me. I started filming and then I got invited to cover the rest of the series. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That is just so cool. Yeah. The comments are like, oh, thank you for filming this. Like, I wasn't able to go or, oh, I want all the Beetlejuice content I can get. And and then also filming the Broadway Under the Stars, which then had Will and Presley and having like the Barnes and Noble performance. Like, they're just... There are so many. And then the Thanksgiving Day performance, like there were so many cool Thanksgiving. Oh, that was that was something. One of my favorite things about that was the nacho cheese dripping on (laughs) uh, on Danny Rotigliano, which was not planned at all, but which looked so perfect. It could have been CGI. It was so good. It was so good. And seeing it was so cool to be there at the like rehearsal process and seeing the staging and what they do live and what they're like, okay, actually, we need the skulls over here and maybe take one step to the left. And just because I come from TV, like I was an on air reporter for two years. Oh, I I didn't know. That's amazing. Fun facts. (laughs) That rules. Yeah, it's just um, it's cool to see the process. And I feel like Beetlejuice is one of those shows that I've gotten to see the process that I never expected. And I get to share that with other people. And that's just like constant joy. Yeah, same. 
It's amazing. Yay. So on that note, are there any final words you'd like to share with your fans and where can everyone find you on social media? I don't know if I have fans. I, I think I, uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I've said it, I said it on Twitter. I, I, I think I'm probably the least famous person you've interviewed. And I feel very extremely flattered that anyone takes an interest uh, because I'm, I'm just some jag off. Uh, but uh, I mean, my, my Twitter is Abe Goldfarb, A-B-E-G-O-L-D-F-A-R-B. I never use my Instagram, but it's Abraham Goldfarb. <laughs> um, the, I, I directed a, a spooky, romantic, queer horror movie that's on Prime Video. It's called The Horror at Gallery K. It is decidedly uncommercial. It is a black and white queer romantic horror story. So please look up The Horror at Gallery K. And if you enjoy it, uh, review us on Amazon or IMDb. It's a film that, that I'm very passionate about. And that stars uh, my partner and and several of our friends. And and uh, it was, if you want to see a really pure expression of me, uh, I think that's that's where you can go. Other than that's that's the social media and stuff that's available. Gosh, final words. I'm just really grateful, and I'm uh, th- I I really appreciate you uh, calling on me to interview me and also waiting a week to do it after I hurt my back. (laughs) And I really appreciate everybody who's tuned in and who's asked questions and, uh, and who's been so nice. Like, I mean, you're all wonderful. I'm just really lucky. And, and I, I don't know if I can, all I can say is things are bleak right now. Things are really hard and a lot of people are struggling. There is a path forward out of this, and it starts with kindness. And you can be angry, and that's important to be angry, because anger does get shit done. Yeah. But just remember what you're angry about. If you're going to agitate, agitate for kindness, agitate for better and fairer treatment of people. And that's what gets us out of this. That's what moves us forward and gets us to a place where we can put on our shows and talk and then see each other and touch each other and meet each other and live again together the way that we're supposed to, because we're, we're a society. We're not just people sitting in rooms and it's really easy to forget that. That is, uh, Oh, that hit me right here in the heart. I am so grateful for you and, and all these fans that really have built this community that it's beyond a fandom and I've made so many true friends that I chat with. It's amazing. Oh man. I love, yeah, I love that. I, yeah. and, I, and I've loved doing my little, I do little ask me anythings on Twitter where, where people mm-hmm. send in questions and I, I adore it. It's, you know, it's just nice to reach out and see that there are people out there. Yes. Yes, indeed. I am. Um, I feel all of that. Haley says, I'm watching that tonight. I think me too. I'm really excited about that. I saw it on your, what is it, IMDb page. And I was yeah. like, ooh, I'm intrigued by this. And it's, now a, weird, like, it's a weird one. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I love it's, that. I it's, love very, that. it's very talky. It's very gay. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. That, those are right up my alley. <laughs> oh, Andy says, you're awesome. New fan here. So freaking humble. Thanks. Thank so you. Cool. Andy and Judy, they are so amazing. I mean, everyone is amazing, but I have to give them a special shout out because they are two of my show trions, which oh. is the, the B-Way show Patreon. It's so cool to have people that like support your work, not just like, hey, that's a good job you did, but like, 
do you know Patreon? Like the monthly like squad, like here's a few bucks a month and then you get some cool whatever. Well, we've like turned it into weekly trivia and tonight we have trivia and it's like, ah. never thought during a pandemic that like feeling sad that there was no theater would then turn into this group of amazing humans that are like, wait, trivia is so much fun. We should do weekly trivia. And now we do it every, every week. That's what gives me faith. That's what gives me hope. The yep. fact that in the catastrophe, people find each other. Yes. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. And a two second plug. I mentioned earlier about B-Way Show, the podcast. I am so excited. Today was the third episode with Alex Brightman. I never thought I'd have a podcast. I never really thought I'd have a YouTube series. And it's just, I'm so grateful to all of the theater fans who have said like, we want a theater reporter who's also a passionate Broadway fan and have welcomed me into this community. So I just want to say thank you to all of you. And if you ever have questions or thoughts or feedback, like, please reach out to me. I love chatting with y'all. As I mentioned, I was an honor reporter and like, I love chatting with new reporters who are kind of like getting into the business. So if you ever have any questions, like just reach out to me at BYU Show. Also, you're just really good at your job, and I really appreciate uh, really appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Well, on that beautiful note, on that that beautiful that note, <laughs> I knew it, it had to end on to. a Beetlejuice reference. Thank you, Abe. Thank you, everyone watching, and we'll see you at the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the ninth episode of B-Way Show, the podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so you can be a spy on the inside for future episodes. To watch my full conversation with Abe Goldfarb, including his fabulous recreation of the dance he did with Presley Ryan, as well as the Looney Tunes Beetlejuice opening night present, and so much more, head over to B-Way Show YouTube. That's where you can also find a Beetlejuice playlist with all the music I mentioned in the episode. Plus, don't forget to watch Abe's directing work with the horror at Gallery K. Thanks as always to Kyle Braxton, aka Geddon, for these awesome beats, Jelani Remy for the beautiful intro riff, and Chelsea Hill, aka Illustrating Diva, for the cool cover art. If this was your jam, you can become a Showtreon. Head over to patreon.com slash bwayshow. We do weekly trivia and monthly video chats. It's a fun time. Come check it out. Thank you to everyone who voted for a better future. Let's celebrate this victory and get right back to changing the world for the better. We have so much work to do. We don't know the future of live theater or when Broadway will be back, but we do know it's on all of us to get through this pandemic. Wear a mask, be safe, and let's take care of ourselves. We'll see you at the show. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together 
we rise.